Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Grab your Bible, go with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 18. The book of Jeremiah, chapter number 18. I'm going to read one very familiar passage to you. It's only going to be four verses, and then we'll get into this. Jeremiah, chapter number 18, and uh, we'll start reading with verse number one. When you get there, say amen. If you're not there yet, say hold up. You quick. Glory to God. Y'all did the sword drills back in the Baptist church, didn't you? <laughs> I want to start making a, I grew up preaching in the black church, and in the black church, when you get ready to read the text, you make everybody stand up for the reading of the word of God, and I'm about to make everybody stand up for the reading. You know what I'm talking about, brother? I was standing for the reading of God's word. Y'all like, please don't. We've already stood up twice. Book of Jeremiah chapter 18, verse number one records these words. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will cause you to hear my words. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. That word wrought is just an old King James word for he worked. He was working a work on the wheels. And the vessel, watch this very closely, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. Everybody say marred. <laughs> marred, glory to God. Everybody say marred. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. The vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hands of the potter, so he made it again another vessel. There's an old gospel song that used to say it this way. I'm so glad he did not throw the clay away. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? And when the vessel was marred in the hands of the potter, he did not throw the clay away. He made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Can I get a witness from somebody? I want to talk to you this morning on the subject, when life happens. When life happens. I, uh, when I was coming up in the church, there was a, a real popular teaching that was going through the church. We always called it the word of faith teaching. And I believe in a lot of it, and I hold to a lot of them. There were so many good things about it. It taught you to stand on God's word and believe God for his word and trust in the promises of God and name it, claim it, blab it, stab it, grab it, confess it, possess it, walk around it, talk to it, kick some dirt, spit three times, and shout hallelujah, and then you got it, right? So you had everybody in the church walking through the Mercedes-Benz dealership. They made $8,000 a year, but they all working through the Mercedes dealership. I'm about, well, in Jesus' name, it's mine, it's mine, my glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. They confess till they're tongue falls out. What they needed to be confessed for was a job. Right? But we, we got it twisted. It actually started out well, but it turned out not right. How many of you know a lot of times things turn out not the way they started out? Okay, and so we used to have this teaching that we called the word of faith teaching, teaching people to believe God for his word and so on and so forth. It was great and it was powerful, but then it got twisted. 
got twisted. And people begin to teach this, that if you really have faith, the real mark of your faith, the real fruit of your faith is that you are completely free from all trouble whatsoever. That if you really had faith, you don't ever go through anything. I actually heard one preacher say it this way. If you're suffering, it's because you're stupid. And what they fail to understand is that sometimes faith does keep you from it, but other times faith doesn't keep you from it. Faith keeps you through it. I need somebody to lock in and engage with me this morning. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so when we, when we have a theology that makes us think that everything that goes wrong in life is an issue with our own faith, then we actually have a tendency to deny the very thing that God's trying to use to develop us. You get built through suffering. You become better when you go through some stuff. Oh, hallelujah. Your marriage gets richer after you've had one or two fights. You've been married five minutes and you think it's wonderful and it's always gonna be that way. And honey, I pray that it does, but you need some of those out in the front yard cussing each other out fights, and then you learn to then you learn to appreciate each other a little bit better. I'm preaching right. Can I get an amen from all the religious folk in the house this morning? You hear what I'm saying? God uses the things that we go through to build us. You know, your Bible says something interesting. I was always intrigued by this verse. It says, Unless the Lord build the house, they that build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, they that build it labor in vain. I grew up working with my stepfather on construction sites, and I always was trying to reconcile what it looked like when we were in building and then what it would look like at the end of the finished product. And the Bible said, if the Lord builds the, unless the Lord builds the house, they that build it labor in vain. And what the Bible's trying to teach us is not that God is a carpenter, but that God is an architect. God is not concerned about what it looks like in the middle because God has the blueprint of what it's going to look like at the end. And you can't, you got to be careful not to get so discouraged and disappointed and hopeless when in the middle it doesn't look like what it's supposed to look like at the end. Because if you allow God to still move in you, if you allow God still to work some things out in you, if you allow God to take some people out and bring some people in, if you allow God to shut some doors and then allow God to open some other doors, then you reach that blue because the Lord is building the house. Did you know in Hollywood, they always film the end of the movie first and then they work from there and that's how God's worked with our life. He's filmed the end of the movie first and now the rest of it is just the journey of how we testify how good God is. There's some stuff that we go through. It's not that God willed that it happened, but it's that God's so powerful he can still use it. Come on, white people and help me. You with me? I got to quit making white jokes. Nah, you need it. You need it. Huh? God's not a carpenter. He's an architect. Your Bible actually said he sees the end from the beginning. Right? That's why he's not as freaked out as we are in the middle because he already knows what the end of it's going to look like. Say he already knows. Say he already knows. He already knows your baby's going to come back to Jesus and be the woman of God, the man of God that she's supposed to. He already, he's not freaked out in the middle. He already knows your marriage is going to get put back. To, he already knows you're going to be blessed. He already knows what's going to happen at the end. You just got to know sometimes life happens. Hmm? When I was growing up in the word of faith, and I was 17 years old, right, and I knew everything. And so I, everybody would say, you ain't supposed to be suffering. You ain't supposed to be suffering. You ain't supposed to be suffering if you got faith. Faith keeps you from the fight. And I used to preach that stuff when I was 17. And then all I needed to do, all I needed was time to prove to me how stupid that was. All right. 
God speaks to Jeremiah and he says, I want you to go down to the potter's house. And I'm going to talk to you at the potter's house. So Jeremiah walks down to the potter's house. And the Bible says he watched the potter work a work on the wheels. He watched the potter as the clay was spinning, the potter was working. As a matter of fact, it is the spinning that enables the potter to shape the vessel the way he wants to shape it. And he's, y'all not know where I'm going yet? It's in the spinning that God does the shaping. It's when everything feels like it's out of control that God is actually using it to turn you into the person that he wants you to be. It's when life happens that God can take that heartbreak and take that disappointment and take that pain and he'll use it to shape you into the vessel that he's called you to be. That's why you cannot have people in your life trying to minister to you that's never been through anything. You've got to have some people in your life that can say, I know exactly what it feels like to be be on the wheel of the potter, but let me tell you, I'd rather be spinning with his hands on me than be off the wheel and he'll not be working in my life. Is there anybody with me in the house this morning? It's in the spinning that he's turning you into everything he wants you to be. I have all these young men come up to me, 17 years old, they're like, Pastor Casey, I want to preach the gospel. And I think, do you know what you're signing up for? I'm going to change the world. And I hope you do. But before you change the world, do you know how God's got to change you first? Oh, glory to God. Then the spinning is the shaping. That's why I am so thankful for the Bible. Because when you read the Bible, we do not get a book full of a bunch of flawless heroes. All the people in the Bible you love and preach about and we fall out over. We're jacked up. Abraham worshipped the moon and was such a coward, he was going to give his own wife to the king for a night. Oh, dang. Abraham, the father of faith. Problems up one side and down the other. Noah, getting drunk, passing out naked. Save the world. Passed out naked. <laughs> David. Just say his name, David. Everybody's like, thank God for David. Be like, glory to God for David. Because you know what we learned from David? You can blow it big time and God can still use you. Right? Peter was a racist. Had a foul mouth. Judas was stealing the money. <laughs> And God still used them because it's in the spinning. There's a, now the text that I read in Jeremiah, it has a little bit of an, I have a little bit of an issue with it. it. It always tripped me out that it said this. It said that he went down to the potter's house and he watched the potter work on the wheels. And then the very next portion says, and the vessel was marred in the hands of the potter. While God was still in control, the vessel was marred. Here's the thing about Christians. Whenever something goes wrong, we immediately try to assign blame. You know the first thing we blame? The devil. The devil. Satan. Slewfoot. The dragon. All the stuff. Right? 
Christians, they don't. I, when I grew up, people believed that demons lived behind every bush. Now Christians believe five demons live behind every bush. Right? Got caught in a red light. The devil is like, he's trying to keep me from getting to church. Maybe it was life. And don't run it either because those cameras up there, they work. I've lived here a year and a half, got four tickets. Now that is the devil. That ain't life. I keep trying to tell my wife it's her fault. She's the one driving. She's like, I don't go there. And it's in your car. <laughs> we try to blame the devil. Or there's some people trying to get an attitude enough with God to blame God. It's always been interesting to me that people that halfway serve God, halfway go after God, halfway obey God, when something breaks loose, they have an attitude and the nerve to get an attitude with God. As, God, as though God is really the morphine button when the pain comes. Sometimes God has to keep us in a place of need in order to keep us talking to him. Right, Because God knows if all hell breaks loose, it'll drive us to our knees. But if we would choose to go to the prayer closet, you would be amazed at how much stuff we could avoid. I've got some dear friends. I'll give you an example. I got some dear friends that lived in, uh, that lived in Panama City. They're dear friends of mine. They pastor a phenomenal church down there. They've been up here to preach. And as soon as the hurricanes, a couple of months ago, they hit Panama City, you get on Facebook, right? All the Facebook prophets show up, right? When you get prophetic words in your inbox, you got issues, okay? That's a whole other sermon for another time. But they were on there. They were like, the, 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 the hurricane hit, hit Panama City. And it's like, it's the judgment of God. For all the drinking going on during spring break. Right? Then you got the other Christians going on. The devil is a liar. It's because God's going to send it out pouring. Then you got another group talking about, well, if we would just all sell our SUVs and drive Priuses, the earth wouldn't be warming up and we wouldn't have this problem to begin with. So it's my wife's Tahoe's fault. That's what happened. You know what happened? Life. And Christians, we don't have a box to deal with life. When we know it's God, it's fine because God, we submit to you and we serve you and whatever you want to do, you are the potter, I'm the clay. You are Lord and I, I am your child, I'm your son. When it's the devil, we know what to do. Start rebuking everything that moves. We don't have an answer for life. We don't have an answer when your son got his girlfriend pregnant. And as a parent, you were doing everything you knew to do. Maybe it wasn't your fault. Maybe it was just... Life. Oh, God Almighty. Y'all with me this morning? Are y'all with me? Maybe the marriage dissolved not because you're jacked up and messed up or that maybe it was just life. Right? Maybe, maybe. My, my, wife's, my wife's grandfather, he was in his 80s and he died of Alzheimer's disease. I remember when it happened, when a stroke, when he had a stroke and it turned into dementia and then he lived for 10 years as a vegetable, then he died. I remember all of the Christians coming out of the woodwork talking about this is an attack against your family. He was 86. This is an attack against your family. The devil is, can't believe this happened. And then other people talk about God's going to get some glory out of it. You know what it was? Life. Sometimes the pain we're wrestling with, it's called life. Sometimes when you can't get pregnant, it's not because of the judgment of God or the attack of the enemy. Sometimes it's called life. And we don't have an answer for that. We don't know how to compute or process or deal with or fix or sort through life. Because we think as Christians, we are immune to life. It's like the people that I told you about earlier in the Word of Faith movement. They believed that faith was the tool they could use to manipulate their reality. 
Faith is not something you get to use to create your world to be as perfect as you want it to be. There's not a person in this room listening to me that your life panned out exactly how you wanted it to pan out. There's not a person in this room listening to me that once you were 17 and 18 and graduated high school and you had your roadmap planned for you, that everything went as smooth as you thought it was going to go. You want me to tell you what happened from time to time? Life happened, and we don't have answers for that. I've seen people quit serving God because the church don't know how to deal with life. I've seen people give up on faith in God because we don't have answers for life. I've seen people kill themselves because they don't know how to handle life. What do you do when life happens? It's awful quiet in this Presbyterian church. What do you do? What do you do when it was no fault of your own? It just happened. You lost the job and can't find another one. And it's not judgment. And it's not satanic assault. It's life. Right? What do you do? What do you do when it started out one way and turned out a completely different way? And you spend 20 years trying to condemn yourself wondering, where did I go wrong? What? Where? How did I mess it up? Maybe you didn't mess anything up. Maybe it was just life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's interesting that over in the book of James, he says these words that have always been peculiar to me. He said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various temptations and trials because the trying of your faith produces something on the inside. This is initially what James, this is essentially what James is saying. I know it don't feel good, but in the end, it's all good. When you see trouble rightly, you understand. And when God's proven himself enough, you understand that even though it don't seem good and even though it don't feel good, I know God is big enough to work it out for my good when it's all said and done. I know God didn't want your first marriage to end, but it did. And you know what? You grew from it and you're better because of it. And there's some stuff that God did in you through it. I know you didn't want to go through the financial challenges that you did, but you know what? You went through it. And you want me tell you what happened you're better because of it and you're stronger because of it because I know it don't feel good but in the end it's all good and if you can I, I don't need you I'm talking to people that have been through some pain I'm talking I'm trying to find somebody that knows what it feels like to cry yourself to sleep at night I'm trying to find somebody that knows what it's like to look yourself in the mirror and think I never thought in a million years I would be going through this but even though I'm going through it I know that God can turn it around for my good even though it don't seem good I know that it is good because God is the potter and y'all making it hard on the brother this morning because God is the potter and I am the clay and sometimes I get marred even when I'm still in the potter's hands. And then the Bible goes on to say this. It says that when he saw the vessel was marred, he decided to make it again. 
Bible says he decided to make it again. He didn't throw the clay away and start over. He took what he had and he decided to make it again another vessel. Oh, hallelujah. Because we have a tendency to focus on what we lost, but God has a tendency to focus on what's left. And if there's something left that I can work with, I can turn it around for your good. No, hallelujah. We focus on what's lost. God focuses on what's left. And so he made it again another vessel. Let me give you another example of this. this is, oh, I was reading this a couple of months ago, and it struck me funny. It just struck me funny. Over in the book of Genesis, your Bible says that God looks over in chapter 6. You, are you with me this morning? I'm trying to help you get through some stuff. Are you with me this morning? Over in Genesis chapter number six, it says that God saw the earth, that it was completely filled with wickedness and debauchery and sin. It got so bad that God said, I have repented in my own heart that I've even made the earth. And then he finds Noah and his wife and his kids. And God says, I'm going to fix all of this through you. I'm not going to focus on what's lost. I'm going to focus on what's left. So much so that God tells Noah, I want you to build a boat. Watch this. It takes Noah a hundred years. If I thought about titling this message, God should have killed Noah. Because God already proved he could speak it into existence in a moment. Why are you working around Noah trying to teach a man to build a boat for a hundred years when you could just wipe everybody out? And we wouldn't know. And then you could just let there be light again. Do you hear what I'm saying? Why, God, are you messing with eight people trying to commission them to recreate the earth? Why, God, are you messing with a lump of clay that's already been marred in the hands of the potter? This is why. Because God never walks away from what he's invested in. And no matter what kind of situation you've been going through, God's not going to walk away from your situation because he's got too much invested down on the inside of you. What do you do when life happens? You get back on the potter's wheel and you say, God, whatever you can do to turn this for my good and for my glory, then put me on the wheel and spin me around and get me to the place that you want me to be. But God, there's some stuff here that you can still work with. God's not giving up on not. There's too many companies of people just like the ones in this room where God says, I'm going to change that city and I'm going to do it through the little company. I'm not focused on what's lost. I'm not focused on the drug epidemic. I'm not focused on the homelessness. I'm not focused on the sin. I'm focused on who I got to work with. Whenever marriages are going through something, if I can get just one spouse committed, I can normally fix it. When marriages are hurting, if I can get one spouse on board, even if the other one is not interested, if I can get one spouse on board, I can usually fix it because it's not about what's been lost. It's about what's been left. That's why your Bible, oh, glory be to God. That's why the Bible says that when the good Samaritan was walking down the road, he, said that he saw the man beaten, and your Bible says he saw him half dead. He wasn't all the way dead. He was, oh, there's some stuff in your life. 
that's not all the way dead. It might feel half dead, but it's not all the way dead. And if you could commit to God what is left, you would be blown away at what God could turn it into. I wish somebody would shout hallelujah because our God is absolutely amazing. He said he was half dead, half dead. Still got something I can use. Still got something I can work with, right? Right? You gotta look for you gotta look for those little hints of breakthrough. You gotta you gotta learn to celebrate those little hints of breakthrough. Even when 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 you're believing God for something big, even if you don't see the full total manifestation of it, even if you see just a little glimmer, you gotta learn to celebrate it. Because every move of God is a move of God and should be celebrated like a move of God. If your daughter's away from you, uh, you that's plenty enough to grieve and mourn over. But if she ever sends you a text and asks to go to lunch, just celebrate over the little glimmer that she got because because it means that God is working on them. I'm trying to help you. You hear what I'm saying? He made it again. Another. I'm so glad he didn't throw the clay away. You and I both, if we take off that Sunday morning mask. Lord, I'm about to preach at this wall. If we take off that Sunday morning mask. And get real honest, there's plenty of things in my life and your life that disqualify us. But you know what he did? He decided to make it again. I said he decided to make it again. The, you, shouldn't be, you shouldn't be living the life that you're living right now. You don't deserve to be blessed the way God's blessing you right now. You want to tell you what happened? God decided to make it again. Another vessel. Can I get a witness from somebody? He made it again. He made it again. Put me back on the wheel. Put me back on the wheel. Because even though it don't feel good, it is good. Over in your Bible, over in your Bible. You can sit down. Over in your Bible. I got 10 minutes left. I'm going to preach for four. I'll let you go. Over in your Bible. Your Bible ends with God giving Israel all sorts of promises. All sorts of promises. The glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the glory of the former house. We read those restoration prophets after Israel's been in exile. You read all the restoration prophets and it just fills you with hope. It's Jeremiah saying, and while Israel is in exile, Jeremiah saying, I know the plans that I've got for you. Says the Lord, plans to prosper you and give you an end. We put that, we put that verse on bookmarks and we put it on doilies and we put it on pictures at Lifeway and we don't even know what it means. You're talking about a group of people that has been exiled and they are in bondage and captivity. They are in slavery and God is speaking to them saying, I know the plans I've got for you. I'm going turn this thing around I'm going to give you a future and I'm going to give you an end you read all these prophets you read all these these people infusing hope into the people of God you read them over in the book of Malachi where he says and suddenly the Lord whom you seek is going to show up to his temple suddenly he's going to show up make all things right that's over in the book of Malachi last book of your Bible you know what happens after the book of Malachi nothing and the Lord whom you seek is suddenly going to show up in his temple. Me and God have two completely different definitions of suddenly. <laughs> suddenly makes you think like the day after tomorrow. To God, suddenly it's 400 years later. I've told you before, if you want to know anything about the timetable of God, he's been coming quickly for 2,000 years. And we tell people all the time, he's never late. And maybe he isn't. 
but he is last minute. Some of y'all ain't never believed God for anything, evidently. Let me tell you, last minute. Last nail going in the coffin, and then he decides to show up talking about what's going on. Lazarus in the tomb for four days. Jesus show up, what y'all crying about? Oh, I don't know. Mary and Martha bust through the door with attitude. If you'd have been here. (laughs) And then Jesus looks at him and says, where did you lay him? You know what he was saying? Take me to the place where you gave up. (laughs) The Lord whom you see is going to suddenly show up in his temple. And you know what happens after Malachi 4? 400 years of God not saying another word. Right? People send me messages on Instagram. They're like, I've been fasting and praying for three days. I had not heard God say anything. What do I do? 400. 100 for the white folk. 100 years of silence. And then when God got ready to show up after all of these big prophecies, right? I'm going to show up and I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. I'm going to suddenly come to the temple. And I'm going to make all things right after all these gigantic apocalyptic prophecies. Do you know how God decided to break the silence? There's some shepherds in a field. And they see a star that looks kind of funny. Is that, is that what I think it is? It don't look like what he said, but it does look like something. And you got to learn. Sometimes you got to praise God on credit. Sometimes you got to thank God in advance. Sometimes you got to look at your situation. And when you see just a glimmer of some hope, you got to be able to look at it and say, this ain't everything I'm believing for, but that right there, that's something. There's something different. She had a little bit different attitude when she came to talk to me this morning. He had a little bit different spirit about it. My son, he's been addicted to drugs, but he's been clean for three days. Oh, it's not what I've been believing for, but there is a little something. That I believe God's working. I came to tell you this morning that even though it don't feel good, it is good. What do you do when life happens? You get back on the wheel and you let God spin you around and turn you into the person that he's called you to be. Is there anybody with me in the house this morning? Stand up on your feet and give God a shout hallelujah. No, that ain't a shout hallelujah. Give God a shout hallelujah. Because he's big enough. It's not an issue of God willed it. God doesn't will it to happen. But he's big enough he can use it. There's never been anything that I've been through that God didn't turn around and make me better because of it. What do you do when life happens? You trust God that you're going to use this to make me who you've called. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.